7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. It's difficult to to think about it right now, but I just I I always try to to analyze the the game in my mind, and I think the conclusion that I have right now is if you miss clear chances and you play against another top side. Uh, they will probably kill you, as they did. Um, I think we have done everything to win the game. Uh, we have created two, three big chances in the hell, in the first half. We didn't, we didn't score, and after that, we knew that could have happened. What what happened at the end? They they score, and after that, even even after that, we created two, three chances. Marquinhos, I think he had a, a one against one. Chupomotin, if he touched the ball, is is a goal. But uh, no one will, will remember that, to be honest. Uh, congratulations to Bayern Munich. They are a top club, very respectful. They, they've been, they knew how to win. I think we knew also how to lose the game. We, we have done um, everything to, to win, but uh, at the end, we just can congratulate them. And we will try to, to be back here. Uh, from Saturday, we start the league A. Huh? Saturday we, we are going to try to be back. The group we have created, the, the, the atmosphere we have created between us is something important. I think everyone is proud of us in Paris and we are going to, to, to try so hard to be back here. But when you, when you lose the way, the way we, we lost, you can take a lot of things um, to make you stronger. I think we have done a fantastic Champions League, a fantastic season. We, won, we have won four titles and we have lost the, the final. So now, from Saturday, we are going to try to be back. We are going to learn a lot from it. And I think I told you before, if you are not clinical against another top side, uh, they can score and they can, they, can, they can kill you. And football can kill you, of course. Uh, Herrera there may be borrowing some words from our very own uh, coach, Holuko Tobejane there. Uh, that is the PSG midfielder speaking after their Champions League defeat to Bayern Munich last night. Good evening, everybody. And uh, thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On with me, Tabiso Mosia, Katlejo Mudiba and Timothy producing the show. But before we talk rugby, we before we talk football, we are going to talk a bit of rugby, just trying to find out when is the expected return of the sport in South Africa. Teams have been back in training for some time now they were given um uh, an approval to return to training under level three but i'm not sure now which level of training they're at because initially it was non-contact and then they were going to build themselves up until they get to contact training uh, so we'll find out how far are the teams now have they started contact training or not and uh, we'll get an update on when can we expect the first matches because there's been there have been talks of a domestic super rugby competition like we've seen in australia and we've seen in new zealand and there's also been talk that the Springboks might uh, go and play in the rugby championship in New Zealand later in the year. What's been confirmed is that the Springboks will have no matches at home in 2020. So we're going to speak to somebody who's very close to the action there to find out when is the return of rugby. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. So a lot of people have been asking about the return of rugby domestic rugby or whether the Springboks will be back in action this year even if it's away from home and let's find out from somebody who's been very close to the action and doing some fantastic work on Sport24 senior sports writer Sboom Chigeliso joins us on the line Sboom good evening and thanks for speaking to us here on SAFM tonight okay he's not there is he there okay there he is Sboom good evening can you hear us now yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Good oh. evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Smooth. Thanks for 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 for, for joining us on SAFM. Love your work on Sport Twenty Four, especially when it comes to this rugby update. But um, uh, thanks, thanks, yes. member. How far would you say are the teams now? Firstly, in their return to training, because it seems like ages ago that they were allowed to go back to non-contact training. Yeah, no, it seems like rugby is the one that's left in limbo because uh, cricket has already had a competition. Uh, the PSL has resumed as far as football is concerned. And if we're talking big three sports, rugby is the only one that's still waiting. As far as we know, we've uh, we've only just been told that um, rugby is only going to return to contact training this week. So that means uh, the idea of uh, competition is still some way away. This in spite of uh, FA Rugby wanting a revamped Curry Cup to take place sometime before the end of the year, and the end of the year is fast approaching, only four months left. And they hope to have some test uh, rugby of, of some sort uh, by before the end of the year. And in between that, they hope to have the Springboks in shape to be competitive in those test matches as well, not just to be there to play. They, they want a competitive, you know, in shape, uh, Springbok uh, side to go there. So the SA Rugby want a lot of things, and a lot of things look like unicorns at the moment uh, because government has not really put the gavel down and said, Rugby, here you go, go back and play. And I was about to say, it seems like the return of to training and playing has been measured. I don't know if measured is the right word, but I think you've hinted at something there. Is it because they don't want to be on the wrong side of government or is it because it's taking longer than they expected to get these approvals from government? Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the government side right now because the state of disaster is still in play and has been extended uh, by the president. They They have to kind of walk on eggshells at the moment because... You don't you don't want to um, you know upset the a- a- apple cart and 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 then fall foul of of the sports ministry. Um, we've already seen that the protest women were denied a chance to go overseas and play uh, to England for apparent reasons where they say it's travel restrictions. But I don't see how leaving the country disenfranchises South Africa as far as COVID is concerned. But it's just probably why I'm not a government official. Um, but, you know, when it comes to this rugby thing, it's all in the air, Tabi, so I can tell you that. And, and the guys in on the rugby end are just trying to do what they're told to do, which is train in groups of five, non-contact as it stands. So you'll find that they'll pass the ball around. Some will be in gym. But the coaches can't really coach and get into drills, get, get into contact, coach scrums, coach lineout, coach moves. That, that that those types of nitty-gritties. So somebody will ask, what would be so different then between football and rugby? Because football is playing now. They've been training for some time, but uh, still no action from the rugby side. Yeah, I can't give you a uh, definitive answer there. If you look, even in the UK, uh, return to play was actually slower for rugby, um, but football was a- was able to come back. Football, in fact, in the UK, I think, came back even before cricket came back. So uh, as far as contact is concerned, it seems like a whole lot of conjecture as far, uh, in my opinion, that, you know, there is an assumption that, you know, there's more contact in these sports, obviously, and others who are, which are non-contact. 
But the idea of, of, of the COVID spread is that any sort of people in any environment can, can lead to the, the spread. You know, it's not, it's not like um, the more, it's not the number of times you get into contact with mm-hmm. the person, so to speak, if you, if, you, if you get what I mean. So tackling a person in a rugby sense and tackling a person in a football sense, you know, they, they pose the same amount of risk. Um, in my view, but you know, there's no scrums in, in football. Uh, there's no scrums in, in cricket. Maybe that, 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 that's played a factor. But if you, if you institute the idea, which SA rugby say they have to government of a bio bubble, such as the NBA, such as being done in cricket in Australia, where players and everyone involved with the playing staff as well as the PSL in South Africa get tested and they get isolated and only those that are repeatedly tested and repeatedly come back with negative results will be allowed to participate. So uh, I, I, unless they, they're trying to you know, prevent a, a, a sudden outbreak within the environment, I, I don't know. But uh, Yuri Ru did confirm to media that they did propose to government to have a Gauteng-based uh, bubble mm. where people will congregate and play competition because they really, really need that return to play because it's affecting, you don't know, players. You know, Falke have folded um, mm. here in Brakpan. Uh, Falke rugby have folded. They filed for liquidation. Um, some reports are that they, were, they ran into SARS trouble, but clearly the COVID situation didn't help. Players and staff haven't been paid uh, end of July, and they've been told they won't be, pay, be paid uh, anytime soon because of the liquidation process. So there are real effects to rugby not returning to play. So should they get approval then to return to play? Which one is it? Is it? Uh, do, are they planning to play a curry cup? Are they planning to have their own uh, domestic super rugby competition or both? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a revamped curry cup in, is what I've been uh, informed because there are some unions that just don't see the value in being involved in a full-length curry cup. So remember the curry cup was split in the pre, into the premier and, and first division. And it's usually the first division sides are saying that why will we play first division rugby where we can save that money because they pay for their own traveling, own accommodation, and and use it better next year. Put it put it towards either patching up, you know, where players weren't paid, or or, or making sure that they have a better financial footing before the start of 2021. So rather, let's step aside for the first division and let the premier division sides play. You know, that's your Western provinces, your Bulls, your Sharks, and then that incorporates your Cheetahs and the Southern Kings, who are also uh, provincial franchises, as well as Greco. So you'll have an eight-team Curry Cup that will, you know, be strength versus strength, um, and, and, and return. that'll be the return to play. So that's what's being talked about. That's what's being banded about. The smaller union was just saying, look, guys, just leave us out of it. We're already pressed financially as is. Contracts as well that we saw are running out in October. Um, uh, rugby rugby uh, unions won't have players in October. And if they're not playing, how are they going to contract? So a lot of things are still in the air. A lot of things depend on government. We thought by August at least they'll be announcing that the Curry Cup is starting, I don't know, end of September. 
And right now, they're not even training to the intensity to be able to play tomorrow, mm. you know. So that's the biggest worry. And rugby, of course, uh, like most sports, most contact sports, injuries are a factor. You don't want to put guys in there and, and put them at risk of, of having career-ending injuries. So if they begin contact training this week, then how much time do they need before they can actually play a match? Because when we spoke to the football guys and the doctors and, and, the, and, and all those people involved, the physios and everybody, they were saying that after they start 11 versus 11 training, they needed another three weeks to be able to start matches. Yeah, it's it's somewhere there as well with rugby. The 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 estimated timeline is six weeks. Um, so it's your two weeks of uh, non-contact training uh, slash uh, self-isolation. So if you're in a bubble environment, your first two weeks is non-contact, and 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 that's where you self-isolate um, to make sure that no COVID symptoms. You get tested as regularly as possible, and then you'll need four weeks at least of pre-season, where you're, you're now getting into rugby shape to play. You're getting full contact training. Uh, you're getting drills. You're getting conditioning training. You're getting the full Monty. So somewhere, somehow, the, the, the rugby organizers will have to find a six-week window to then get into a full conditioning program, institute all the health protocols that are required by you know, the, 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 the COVID and, 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 and uh, management committees in the country. So they need to do all of that, and time is of the essence. We are now going to be left with um, just three months, three, four months before the end of the year. And you wonder how you're going to fit in a curry cup. Is it going to be um, one-round curry cup? Is it going to be like Super Rugby, Aotearoa, where there's no semifinal and no final, and the log leaders go to the top and they win it all? Um, or, you know, do they do a home and away? Is there going to be travel? Because now domestic travel is open across provinces. Do they scrap the bubble idea and say, okay, you know, Western province, you can play at Newlands, and Newlands farewell. And Bulls, you can play at Loftus. Sharks, you can play at Kings Park. You know, do they do that? They don't know. It seems like they are hitting a moving target here, rugby. And, and unfortunately, you know, they with rugby, uh, there, there will be some political tension as well. Um, you know, you don't know how government receives rugby administrators because of rugby's history and, and, and all that. So it's not really going to go at the top of the priority list, unfortunately, for the sport uh, because of its history. But... I think um, I think they need to really, really try and make a case for themselves to to return. You mentioned the Kings and the Cheetahs earlier on. What happens to their participation in the Pro 14 because it's resumed? Yeah, that was always going to be touch and go. Um, the time at the time when Pro 14 announced the resumption of of the tournament, so. So, so the main nations, those are the Celtic nations, that's Ireland, uh, Scotland, and Wales. Uh, so they, they're the ones that own uh, Pro 14. So when they decided that Pro 14 must, must return, South Africa was actually experiencing the start of what would be the peak surge of COVID-19. Uh, that was terribly bad news for the cheaters as well as the kings because that then meant that, you know, other countries, South Africa was on the red list as far as 
receiving countries um, where you're receiving people from outside of your own country. So countries like England, Australia, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere who had put South Africa on the on the no on the no acceptance list or the no fly list, if I can if I can put it that way. And then you couple that with the fact that the Southern Kings also then went into administration yet again after you know their uh, partners, their private equity partners, uh, folded, um, were failing to 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 pay salaries and staff and you know that old thing. And, you know, it was like not worth it for the South Nations to, to try and push for the, you know, for, for, for cheaters and the kings to be able to go and join the competition. And it's sad because the cheaters were in, in contention for the title this year after making a good run. They were still in a playoff position before COVID-19 hit. And they might have had a very, very good, strong finish. Um, despite losing some players, you know, uh, like um, with this kid, Sintu Manje is going to the Bulls. They did gain as well. So they, they weren't so badly affected by some of the transfer activity that happened around April, May. So, yeah, it was tough because the surge, the surge really, really impacted uh, the the South African teams, and now it seems like they might not even be there in the future. And the Springboks, we've already been told that they won't play at home in 2020, but are they expected to return to, to action sometime this year in any form? Yeah, look, so the, the Springboks will, will always be some, some sort of a draw card uh, for someone who wants to have some competitive action uh, in front of their, their eyes. I don't think they're going to be in a competition. I don't think uh, SA Rugby and Sanzo's relationship is, it looks cooked in my view. But, you know, you never know because flat out New Zealand went wild and, and proclaimed that they, they want South Africa out of Super Rugby and out of Sanzo, which was crazy. Uh, this was mid the, the COVID-19 pandemic surge. And, you know, they want a trans-Tasmanian Super Rugby. That means just Australian and New Zealand teams playing against each other with the Pacific Nations being included. That really, really has put a strain between the, the Sansa Nations, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and, and Argentina. So whether South Africa wants to force issues and play the Springboks, they would have to acquiesce to whoever the host country is, be it Australia or New Zealand, um, go there, isolate for 14 days, probably only have two weeks to train and then play. And South Africa barely had any competition. Uh, so the Springboks will be badly undercooked and they'll play against guys like Richie Moangas and, and Sivu Reeses, the guys of the, that have been playing Super Rugby at Aroa and have been been in very, very good competitive shape. Even Australia has been playing uh, recently. So it, w- it would be like a pounding to nothing. So they'll just be going there to take out, if I can put it that way. Um, so Yuri Ru has really looked at that and thought, no, this is a bum deal uh, if, if we're going to take it. What they could do instead is, is if they get local competition, they could go and, and maybe offer up some sort of a teaser to the Six Nations uh, and play play some 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 friendlies with uh, with the Six Nations countries: England, France, Ireland, Wales. You know, 
before the full Six Nations start, um, or be part of be part of a revamped uh, seven nations, or some even said eight nations, including Japan. So that looks um, like a, a good prospect and, and financially very lucrative because if they get paid in pounds, they obviously translate those pounds into rands and, and the turnover from that is very, very significant. Financially, though, how big a blow for Saru would this have been considering that the box are world champions, the fact that they even played in 2020 at all? I'm sure they would have loved to cash in on their success in, in Japan. Yeah, no. Um, uh, SA Rugby have estimated a billion rand has been wiped off its books, and and that estimation came very early when they instituted their their strategic plan to 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 sort of um, cushion the blow of COVID. Uh, they estimated that 990 odd million would be lost. I think it might be even more when you think about the fact that they had three tests lined up for the Springboks this year. The momentum building up to the British and Irish Lions uh, tour uh, lost the uh, ticket revenue as far as the rugby championship is concerned. Uh, there's no NDA tour. There might not be an NDA tour. And the, the Wales fixture is, is, is probably the most financially lucrative for South Africa. The, the Wales away fixture to the Millennium Stadium brings more to South Africa's books as a single fixture than any fixture in, in, in the calendar. So that that fixture goes away or if it goes without fans, that, that's a significant amount of revenue uh, being cut from uh, SA Rugby's uh, coffers. But it seems like they've put together a good plan to withstand the, the pressures, the financial pressures, and the, the players have bought into the, the pay cuts, which weren't easy, uh, to to take uh, for some, uh, and uh, so you know, I think they, they they came off not too bad, but I think right now what they want to do is to get back in play to to hold on to whatever commercial uh, revenue they can still latch on to. I mean, the Springboks they've got jersey sponsors, short mm-hmm. sponsors, association. That visibility needs to go out there. You know, all these teams, they also got their own sponsors. They need to be seen to play. And not, right now, people are still idle. People are still watching TV. Uh, I'm sure you are watching the the, the, the PSL matches from tonight, uh, either Myersburg and Vitt or, or, or Sundown uh, playing tonight. So people are still interested in live sport, probably now more than ever. So it's easy to say to your broadcasters, look, uh, let's 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 have a handshake agreement to 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 have the you know the revenue that we were going to have this year and 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 we'll do our bit and we'll have competition and and play, but they can't do that with govern without government sign off. Okay, let's take this one voice note uh, for Subum Chigaliso, who's our guest, just talking about the proposed return of rugby in South Africa. Tabison, good evening to your guest. I'll ask him a question, maybe out of line, but I hope he answers me. What, what does it think of private ownership of South African rugby, uh, private equity? We have seen the, the bulls where Patrice Motsipe and uh, the Ruperts coming through. So is, is private ownership the way to go for rugby, SA rugby? Um, and what does SA rugby say about it? Is, it? is it financially sustainable? 
for you know for an example i heard that uh, the lions uh, their owner saying that uh, it must go 100 percent private ownership at some point so that uh, uh, rugby in south africa uh get a boosted fund and commercially thank you it's a libra here in Iceland. thank you okay libra thanks for that Spoo, what do you think of private ownership in a rugby yeah, no, that's a very um, difficult one to navigate. It uh, has been for SA, uh, SA Rugby for a while because, you know, there, and there are different layers to it. Um, so at, at, the, at the highest level, SA Rugby is exploring the idea of getting into private equity partnerships um, with other nations. So that means uh, private companies buying you know, the, the the stake into maybe something like the rugby championship or, 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 or super rugby or, or the Six Nations. Um, I'm sure you would have uh, read a lot of reports with the, the, the Six Nations uh, private equity deals that, that, were being, that were being bandied about. And the company there is CVC, uh, which is a conglomerate um, that, that CVC Capital Partners, which invests. In, in sporting ventures. They've also had a stake in Formula One as well, which I think they've sold as recently as a couple of years ago. So, yeah, private equity at that top level, I think for me it could work because it, it injects um, a lot of finances in a sport that's actually losing money, uh, believe it or not. Um, it's not losing appeal, but, but funds have drained from rugby, especially in the Southern Hemisphere, and, and you can tell by the stadium attendance is dwindling as well. Um, and then you get you get the private equity such as you know your Johan Rupert and your Patrice Mutipas and investing in the Bulls, um, your SuperSport co-owning part of the Sharks uh, and Cheetahs, I believe, and 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 um, as well as the greatest rugby company in the whole wide world investing in. Um, Wow, I say investing, uh, <laughs> becoming the equity partners at, at the Southern Kings. So you get you get uh, sort of different worlds of it. I think it's 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 always been there. I mean, SuperSport first bought their shares, their Sharks shares. They they first bought forty percent for forty million back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. So it's not it's not necessarily new when the franchise system came. There were there were a lot of uh, companies interested in that, um, but what's new is that now SA Rugby have opened the ability for private equity partners to have controlling uh, stakes, overwhelming controlling stakes, as far as as much as seventy four percent of of the franchise can be privately owned. So that that's where the change has come in, and that's where some of the trouble has come in. So if you if you look at, I think uh, put together, um, Rupert and, and Mutsipe, they they will own about seventy two percent, or up to the maximum seventy four percent put together of the Bulls. Okay. But they are they are each their own proxy, so they didn't come together as yeah. as a consortium. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there, Spoom Chigeli. So thank you for that update. Still no clarity on when rugby in South Africa will return, but Sari is trying and I think they're waiting for approval now from government to give them that green light.